are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. This episode of the Traditional Outdoors Podcast is sponsored by Great Northern Bow Company. At Great Northern Bow Company, they design and build every bow with you in mind and with respect for the long and noble hunter-gatherer lineage we are all connected to. They build hunting bows, bows designed to make you the very best bow hunter you can be. How do they do it? By paying attention to what really matters in a bow. Stability, smoothness of draw, reliability, performance, refined design, and by using carefully selected materials. Their bows have an understated beauty and refinement of appearance that will make them hold their appeal for a lifetime, and they still build their bows one at a time by hand. So consider making your next custom bow a great northern bow, and in the meantime, be sure to check out their website at gnbco.com. Well, hey everyone, uh, Steve here. I'm I'm kind of squirreled away here at the uh, Kalamazoo Expo. Nick's out manning the uh, booth, but I've got another guest here with me that I've actually thought about having on the show many times, and he stays pretty busy and a bit of a, a road warrior, and since I knew I had him here and I could squirrel him away, I decided I was going to sit him down and, and record a quick podcast with him. And that gentleman, Mr. Chad Weaver with BCY Strings or Champion Bow Strings, I guess a lot of people know you from, from both areas, but yeah. how you doing, buddy? Having a good time. Enjoying it. It's a fun show. It is. Good show. If you can't, if you haven't been here, get here. If you've been here, you'll come back. This is my first time. Uh, this is my first one. And, uh, you know, we... For various reasons, I'm where I'm. I'm kind of back in the back where the the everybody's going past us to go into these seminars. But man, that main floor is crazy. It is. There is a lot of people out there. We've had exceptional weather this year, which Kalamazoo this time of the year, it's hit or miss. But it's it's great this year. I was I was watching the weather for the last two weeks, knowing <laughs> I was coming up, just yeah, being being prepared for what, what I needed to be prepared for. We well, a lot of times we've been stuck here an extra day or two, just uh, but it's no big deal. Kalamazoo's a fun little town. Yeah, I brought my so I brought my work laptop with me just in case I got snowed in for an extra day. I'd be able to to work on Monday if I had to. But looks like everything's. I believe we're gonna be fine. Gonna be good. Now you're here tomorrow too, but I'm heading out first yeah, thing in the morning. Yeah, I, I don't. So. I actually don't leave till Monday. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very nice. So you, you mentioned the weather, um, and we we're chatting a little bit about this before we press record uh i know you don't remember the first time i met you because at the time you wouldn't know me from from, from john but um the weather was a lot different where you and i first met and that was at that howard hill shoot down in Tannehill state park yeah when june is 190 <laughs> degree man it was hot alabama in june it's uh it's a it's an oven it was so we, it was at that shoot um i, I came up and spoke to you uh, not a lot, good bit. That was about the time I was just starting to get into making my own strings at yeah. the time. And um, you're you're doing the twist. Sidekick was there too, and I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Joe Rod Stark. Jenkins. Oh, that's that's build a great bowstring. That's build a great. You're right. You're absolutely right. right. That's build a that's great. That's the second string. one. The first yep. one was doing the twist. The second one's how to build a great bowstring. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's the one that I've watched the yeah. most. Is yeah, Rod Rod's an Alabama boy anyway, so he right. he hangs around. So and and did get to talk to Rod a good bit while I was there too. But I know that night, and we had the the simply traditional booth there, um, and we went out to eat the night and that night. And we we ran into you. I think Rod may have been with you that night. I know there was a lot of people filtering in out of the steakhouse. And yeah, you could just tell every one of them that walked in there was sapped from that heat. Man, it was oh, it was brutal. You got to be dedicated. Uh, and it, it's a multi-round shoot, so and people they start it start at daylight, and some of them shoot till dark. And I'm too old for that now. <laughs> I used to try it, but we would try to get out and shoot in the morning, and yep. maybe shoot some in the evening. You know, between trying to run the the booth, because I I was actually building custom arrows there. I yeah. think that was the year I I built arrows in the in the tent. So yeah, yeah, you're just baking. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's so. Uh, and that may have been also the year that the the bad storms came. I think it was the year the bad it that storms. Year? No, maybe no. It was a year before the storms was the next year. Okay. okay. When it tossed everybody. Yeah, that, oh, it, it was that bad. Destroyed a lot of setups. Yeah, it did. It did. So, 
Everybody know. I don't know which people know you best for. I think people in the people that buy bowstrings probably know you more from Champion. People that make bowstrings or ten more of these shows probably know you more from from BCY. But yeah, um, it's it's probably six one half dozen the other. You know, I, I I love talking to people. I see a lot of people. I'm awful remembering names. You know, uh, but I, I'm pretty good, decent with faces. But I, you know, I'll see somebody and they come up and start talking, and I'm like, "Oh gosh, who is this?" <laughs> it's embarrassing, but you know, if you see me and I don't remember your name, I apologize. It's it's not uncommon. Well, and I, and I, I I'm the same way, and I always try to tell people, you know, it's 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 definitely nothing personal. First, I'm horrible with names to begin yeah. with. But I always try to remember when I'm talking to somebody like you that doesn't remember my name. I know you see me once, but you're seeing a thousand me's at one of these shows and it's it's hard to keep trying. you know I, i'm i'm just a you know an old hillbilly from mississippi i am nobody and but we got the video and people watch the video and they they know my name some you know when they see me and they'll come up and start talking and i'm like i have no idea who this is <laughs> had a guy from uh oh goodness I was at the traditional bow hunters of Florida one year and a guy came up and just started talking and he was from Romania, I think. And, uh, I didn't have a clue. And he finally told me, I know you from the video. Oh, okay. So it's, it's weird. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, not accustomed to that kind of stuff, but yeah, it's pretty cool in a way. Now, how long has it been since you did that building a great bowstring? Building a great bowstring was five or six years ago, I think. And then doing the twist was several years before. I don't even remember what year we did doing the twist. But building a great bowstring was, I want to say, it was either five or six years ago. Okay. I actually thought it had been a little bit longer than that. It may have been a little longer But the lines get crossed because I know exactly. doing the twist was the first. That's yeah, how it's, I it's first been learned. A, it's been a long time ago. And then um, I actually liked building a great bowstring better. I thought some of the detail was a little bit better. Well, it was. It, it definitely was. Of course, you learn mm-hmm. a lot. From, you know, and when you when we finished how to build a great bowstring, and when we first watched it, it was, oh gosh, we should have we could have done this better. We could have done that better. And we and we tried to learn from the first one, and the equipment got so much better. Uh, doing the twist, the video camera was a small suitcase, sure. you know, and, and the, even then the quality wasn't the greatest, but it was the best on the market at the time. Right. And then uh, when we did How to Build a Great Bowstring, the cameras were tiny and the video quality is 10 times better. Um, and we may, you know, we may try to do another one one of these days just to get some better shots and materials are constantly evolving you know the techniques remain about you know pretty much the same but you can talk about different materials and stuff and about the time you get get one established another one's gonna right the market changes but um yeah we'll see i'll try to remember to come back to that because i do want to ask a few questions around bowstring materials i definitely have my 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 bias is there and i think a lot of people do but i'd love to hear your thoughts on some of that but so how long how long have you been well let's just say how long have you been making bow straight flemish twist strings uh, let's see it's been at least 25 years um i i don't know the exact date i started or anything like that it just kind of it just kind of happened. It wasn't a plan. It's just something I kind of fell into. I've always been a the type when I had a hobby, I wanted to get do as much of it as I could. You right, know, right. I, I I was a I was shooting handguns for a while, and I got into that pretty deep, reloading my own rounds and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I uh, got into the traditional archery, I wanted to learn everything I could. I was building my own arrows, and I wanted to learn how to make strings. You know, it was just part of it. It was part of the process for me, and. Uh, I, you know, like I said, it wasn't a plan. It just kind of just happened. So quick question to that statement. You started out doing it as a necessity for yourself. Um, I, I, I started out the same way. I built, started out building bowstrings for myself mm-hmm. and, and just it, over time it became part of the business, part right. of the business, you know, and, and I actually, I do enjoy making strings. Oh yeah. You got to, you're not going to. You could charge a hundred dollars a string, and if you don't like it, you're not making money. You're right. You don't do it for money. Uh, 
I like it much more than building custom arrows. I will say yes. that. And, <laughs> and I enjoy building custom arrows, and it's no offense to – the problem with custom arrows is the average individual that wants to buy custom arrows does not understand what goes into building a set of quality custom arrows. Exactly. And I really got tired of having that conversation. Uh, but the, the strings – I, I just enjoy it. And it's something I can do. I can sit and listen to podcasts right. and have the TV going um, and kind of just make use of idle time. But I often see, and I always encourage people, if building a bowstring is something you want to try, you should try it. Definitely. The flip side is you also see, a, and you know what I'm talking about because you're in some of these forums, where, don't buy a string, learn how to make your own and part of me says yes but part of me saying okay first of all you have to be realistic about this if you make one string a year you are probably not going to make as good a quality of string as somebody that builds a hundred a year or 200 a year or 300 a year you're definitely not um and you're going to outlay all the expenses because you have to buy the tools you have to either buy or make a string board the serving jig you you can't buy enough string material to make a string you got to buy a spool so it's a trade-off. It is. I, I definitely think it's a good skill for most people to try. But if you're if, and I'm not tooting my own horn. There's a lot of good string builders out there. Uh, uh, Hunter's Choice. Uh, there's Mountain Muffler. There, right. I, I could sit here and name them all day. There's so I'm not I'm not preaching up simply traditional strings. But if you want a good quality string, you're probably going to get better string if you're buying from somebody that builds makes a lot of strings. You will, and it's not necessarily just quantity. But people like yourself that take pride in your work and want to do it right. I mean, you you got you got guys that and, and same thing. No offense, you know, guys are doing it for a business and they're cranking out as many strings as they can. They're making cheap strings. They're making quantity. More power to them. We need them. We need these guys to cover the market. And then you have guys like us who we put a lot more time and effort into it, and we have a we have a smaller market. Uh, people. I'm not sure how to say this without sounding the wrong way, but people that can shoot the difference. And I don't mean that in a bad way. No, but, no, I get it. You know, you, you know you, you're starting out, you can't hardly tell one string from another. You get some experience behind you, and you start paying more attention. You start shooting better. You get better at shooting, and you start noticing differences in, in, in your arrows, in your strings, in your bows. And, uh, and a string, a lot of people don't look at this, think about a string being much. A string to me is, it's the transmission for your for your bow. You know, you don't build a dragster and put a junky transmission in it. Right. Because it's not going to run worth a flip. So, you know, you get a you get a $1,000 bow and put a $5 string on it, you're not getting what you can get out of that bow. And you're not going to get the feel, you're not going to get the performance, you're not going to get the durability, the consistency, and... Uh, you know, you got to kind of. My my buddies call me a string nerd because <laughs> I, I I study this stuff. I love it. You know, right. I'm, I'm I'm enveloped with it. Uh, but it, it does make a difference. Well, and you mentioned the without and without mentioning, you know, we're not going to get into brands of bows here right, too. Right. But there's some really good, effective economy bows out there. Definitely. And I know Definitely. you know I know you know one of them. I know a few of them. But if you go buy one of those $250 bows, which are good, great starter, but they're great hunting bows. Yeah, yeah. I've got a few of them. You're going to get a crappy string on it. You leave, I, honestly, some of the, for lack of a better term, lowest quality strings I've ever seen came on some very expensive bows. Really? See, now, and I had, obviously, I own way too many bows. Um, but I will say of the, the, the top, the more well-known boyers that I own a bow from, mm -hmm. the string had just as much quality in it as the bow. Some do. But I have seen some of the others. Some I, do, and some, I don't get it. Yeah. Why do you, why do you want to put watered-down gas in a in a Mercedes? And that's that's what they're doing. They're putting a five-dollar string on a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand-dollar bow. I, I, it blows my mind. But, yeah, it is what it is. Well, it's, uh, you know, and we were talking about this before before we pressed the record button here. You see a lot of social media, you and I both know because we both we both sometimes participate way too much in yeah. some of these discussions. That <laughs> I you're apologize. Just sitting there, you're sitting there scratching your head going, what, what are you? Th There's only so much you can do to differentiate 
a string and make yours better. Realistically, yes. Realistically, yes. But those those last few details is what really makes the quality of the string right. and what takes a little bit of extra time. Right. There's a lot of things you can do to jack a string up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've done them all several times. <laughs> Try to invent new ones pretty regularly. Uh, and, and that's part of, like you said earlier, if you're building, you know, half a dozen strings a year, you're discovering these things very slowly. You know, if you're building a few thousand strings and a year. And rediscovering some things. Exactly. And, you know, and you learn by doing it. Right. I mean, we got the videos, and the videos are, there's nothing held back. We, you know, we didn't keep any secrets. We tried to divulge it. everything on the video is like sitting at my shop watching me make a string. Right. But there's just little things that you don't think to mention. There's little things you discover along the way. I'm, like I said, I've been doing this for at least 25 years, and I'm still learning. I'm still figuring things out, still catching myself doing little things. Oh, shoot, that's what, you know, I need to fix this. Right. And it's mostly stuff that nobody would ever notice except me, but I do, and it bugs me, so I fix it. And, and you know, that's, that's one thing I enjoy about it is learning, you know, getting better, try right. to get better, try to get better. Um, but, yeah, there's a, so many things you can do to goof up that you don't even consider. Uh, one, one, one example I use with a lot of folks is, you know, you're a morning person. My wife's a morning person. She jumps up. She gets out of bed singing. She's, mm-hmm. she's a beautiful lady. And, uh, I mean, she's just happy as a bird when she gets out of bed. I'm a little slower getting out of bed. i got to get going, you know. But uh, say you're a morning person. You jump up. You've had your six pots of coffee, and you're just fired up and ready to make a string. And, boy, you're just twisting up a storm versus... Well, you've worked 10 hours, you're tired. Oh, gosh, i got to make another string. I'm just going to go get it done. And you're, you're a lot more, your twist is going to be looser. You're not, mm-hmm. you know, you don't even think about it. But the difference in your twist in a Flemish string is going to make a difference in your string build. Little things, you know. And uh, I, I tell folks, take notes, take lots of notes. Write it down. Don't waste time making the same mistake over and over. Yeah. Make new mistakes. Learn something. So I make I make strings for several different boyers. Mm-hmm. I won't mention some of them I've mentioned on the podcast. Some I but um, I keep a I keep a a log. You got to of what each boyer likes yep. and what they want. It, it does save me time. It does. Uh, and I don't know how you do this. I'll tell you how I do it. And you may correct me and say I wouldn't do it that way. <laughs> but um, most of the time I have I know what length they want or what size they want the bottom loop, what size they want the top loop. Right. And I know how many twists with the amount of pressure I put in my twist it takes to get that. So I'm not constantly measuring. I may check one every now and then just to make exactly. sure that I'm still on, on par. But as long as I'm I'm doing it consistently, all I need to know is how many twists I put in the bottom, how many twists I put in the top, right. and when we're good to go. That's the same. The key to making a good string is the same as shooting a bow accurately. Consistency. Mm-hmm. Do it the right. same exact same thing over and over and over. And you'll and if if it's right, keep doing it. If it's wrong, you can make adjustments. If you do it different every time, you have no idea how to adjust. You don't know what's right and what's wrong. At exactly. That point. Exactly. And I've got, I'm doing a class. I think I mentioned this earlier. I'm doing a class right after this. Yeah. Um, and I don't have many. I didn't want many. I no, wanted you, just you, you can't cover too many ones. And, and I'm kind of going to walk them through the, the arduous task of doing it. You know, measure everything right. instead of trying to do the shortcuts like I do. But right. Uh, but again, I think that just comes with repetition. It does. It over does. And over again. So, question for you: okay. Do you remember what the first bowstring you made was and what it was for? And and was it, <sighs> were you successful or a failure for the first one you made? Oh gosh! It. I actually practiced. I fell into this by pure accident. I ran across an old school buddy that I hadn't seen in a while. His dad and my dad had been friends for years and years and years. We went to school together. Kind of, His name was Dennis Kaysen. Dennis, if you're listening, this is for <laughs> you, buddy. Um, and we, after we graduated, we didn't live that terrible far apart, but we just didn't see each other much. And I ran across him one day, and we had both. He lived in Alabama. I'm in Mississippi. Not terrible far apart, but we went to different tournaments. And we ran into each other, and we had both... Uh, gotten into traditional archery without the other one knowing it. And Dennis uh, was very much like his dad. His dad was an amazing guy. Could do anything. Mm-hmm. Just anything he wanted to do, he'd do it. And uh, Dennis decided he's going to make bowstrings. And he he found an old VHS video on it and uh, 
he he loaned it to me, and gosh, it was like the guy. I don't remember his name, who did the video, anything. And it, the information, it was basic information. It was good information, but it was about as exciting as watching rocks race. <laughs> you know, he was very, very droll, very drab. It was in his basement or something, and he was just very monotone. Then he gave the instructions just, holy smokes. Like he was reading stereo instructions. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't hardly stay awake for it. And uh, But I got the basic information. And uh, started from there. Well, I didn't have any material, so I went home and I went to my mom's house and, and got some sewing thread out of her box and started practicing making loops. And I'm, I and, and ordered probably from Three Rivers, may have been from Flint Chip. Gail Wisdom still had Flint Chip back then. Uh, but I ordered some B50 because that, that was your two materials. You had B-50, you had Fast Flight. Right. And Fast Flight was relatively new. It wasn't brand new, but it was relatively new. And, uh, of course, we had old boats. We couldn't, you know, we didn't have anything that you could put Fast Flight on anyway. So I'm waiting on the material to come in, and, and you know, you had, you could get black or white or yellow. You know, any color you wanted, as long as it was black, black or white or yellow. yellow. And, uh, but I, I practiced making loops with, with sewing thread. And, and worked and worked and worked. And then I met a few people along, you know, I actually discovered tournaments and met people and picked up a little. And this is, you know, well before we had the Internet. Right. I, you know, I'm old. And would run across people and, and get advice and met other traditional shooters and just begging them, here, let me make you a string. I needed practice. Like I said, you can't, you know, you make two or three a year, you're not going to learn that much. So I'm just, you know, cranking them out all I can and holy smokes it scares me to think about what my first ones looked like they they worked right they weren't great by any stretch but they worked and uh, I don't remember what the well I do too the first one was probably for a bear tiger cat uh, that I owned and I wish I had that bow back because I found out after I traded it off it was actually a rare bow not because the tiger cat was rare but because of the woods that were in it and it was uh, a very unusual bow Mr. Frank uh Oh, he was a curator at the Bear Museum. Um, can't think of his name. I think his first name was Frank. Anyway, we, we contacted him, and he told me from the serial number what the woods were. Okay. And he said, that's a collectible. And I'm oh, gosh. I let a buddy of mine talk me out of it, and then a friend of his talked him out of it, and the boat disappeared, and I never <laughs> saw it again. But anyway, uh, that that was probably the the first string I made was for that old recurve, and it was for me, and it didn't blow up, so I, I did okay. You know, it's kind of funny. My story is not that dissimilar, except I at least, so I, I decided I was going to try it, and I had to order the material while I was waiting. And I don't even remember why I had it, but I had a spool of artificial sinew. Oh, gosh, that stuff drive you crazy. 17 pounds, and I, I sat there and made, you know, I, yep. I was practicing my loops, right? Mm -hmm. And then when I got the material in, uh, it was B-55, mm -hmm. but it was black and red. And I made, so I'd practiced a lot, and I finally put my first string together. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to make it for a particular bow, and if, it, if it'll if it hold up on that bow, then I know I can make a string. Mm -hmm. It was for ML-10 Martin, if you know how horrible those things oh, were. Oh, my goodness. And it pulled 90 at 28. Yeah, and they I made put, some hoss bows back in. I put that string on it, and I shot it to the point I shot. I sold that bow and never had a trouble with that string. Now it wasn't the prettiest. The, the, you know, it it kind of looked like two ropes wrapped around each other because yep. it's the back twist. I didn't get didn't right know a the thing first about time. back. Nobody knew back twist back then. Yeah, but uh, but it worked. Mm -hmm. It survived. So. Well, that's, you, you say a house. I'll tell you how, how much more similar. My second one was a bow. Uh, I don't remember what it was at twenty eight. It was eighty two at thirty two. Ooh. And I, 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 you know, I really stretched out back then, and I, that was that was my favorite longbow for a long time. Of course, I was young and dumb and a lot stronger than I am now. And but I, that was my second one. I made. I, I never had. A, I knew then, like you said, if it held up for that bow, I was doing okay. You know, yeah, wasn't pretty, but it held up. Do you know why I had a ninety-pound bow? I had no idea. Because it made shooting an eighty-pound bow easy. Yeah, <laughs> that's that, that's the honest truth. It does. It does. And now, I mean, I don't even want to. I've still got an old one. It was made as a novelty, and I wound up with it. It's ninety-eight at twenty-eight, and when I could, I can't even pull it to full draw anymore. But when I could pull it, it was like one hundred and twenty-five pounds, 
and I, I went bow fishing with it one night. I love taking it to a 3D shoot because it just rocked the target, you know. Yeah, it just, yeah, people, golly, what are you shooting? You know, and they go try to pull my arrows and then <laughs> struggle. And like I said, a lot, <laughs> lot younger, a lot dumber, a lot stronger back then. And uh, I, I went bow fishing with it one night, and the arrows were so underspined, they hit the water sideways. Couldn't stick a fish to save my life. Uh, <laughs> just drove me nuts. But anyway, like I said, a long time ago. But, uh, Anyway, well, yeah, yeah, we we have very similar stories. Yeah, and I still I must I, and I've dropped back a lot, but that seriously was the reason I had a ninety pound bow is because well we didn't know any better, you know we thought then you know I I came from compounds and I was shooting seventy or eighty pounds on a compound. Of course you had the let off, and I'm thinking well you know gosh I got to shoot at least that much with these because they don't shoot as hard. Yeah, they're slow. We didn't know any better, yeah. and we we learned a little bit since then. And I'm starting to I'm starting to creep back a little bit. I think the last couple of years I've been hunting with us. I think it's 69 at 28, and I'm probably gonna hunt one more year with it. Then I may drop back to like 65 or 60. Not because I can't shoot it. It's just as I've learned more about the arrows and the arrow build, and you know it. Yeah, you learn you know tuning and Rod Jenkins just amazes me. He can uh, he's made shots with bows. He I forget how he killed a big pig in texas oh, he was pulling like 40 something pounds and the guys he was hunting with they had backup guns because they told him you're not you're never get get good penetration you're not shooting enough weight he shot through it mm -hmm. his his release is so good his tuning is so perfect uh, we were at a uh, a little tournament in tennessee one time when they had a novelty they had aerial targets and they had back it, it just didn't throw them very high just right. lobbed them right and had a, a backstop net behind them because we didn't have a field we had you know had to have a protected barrier and i was shooting a 66 pound longbow with wood arrows and of course i missed the targets more than i hit them but when i missed my the net stopped my arrow no problem rod he's had surgery since then he had some neck problems from i from, remember that and he was pulling i think 41 42 pounds and he didn't miss but a couple of times but when he did his arrow went through the netting his tune was so perfect, it just makes a big right through like butter. And it, you know, in, in the tuning was that that was a that convinced me. Uh, tuning is you can make up twenty twenty five pounds no problem with good tuning. Mm -hmm. so that uh, that really opened my eyes. So here's a question: I hadn't even thought about this till till you just mentioned that, but um, I know you've shot in competitions a lot over the years. Yeah, used to a lot. Um, but what about hunting? You do a lot of hunting with your I love boat? to bow hunt. I, I um, thought you did, but I've, nest, I do, I've never uh, asked. I've, I, I'm not a, you know, honestly, I'd probably starve if I relied on my bow hunting skills. <laughs> but <laughs> I love to do it. I didn't say I was great at it, but I love it. I've, I've, I've actually got to travel a little bit. I've, I've, uh, I've hunted moose in, in Canada. I've hunted elk in New Mexico and, and uh, Colorado. Um, the best I did in Canada I shot a couple of spruce grouse with my longbow, which was pretty cool. I got those mounted in my shop. Um, we've seen some animals. We didn't get any shots. Uh, super exciting. I hope I live long enough to go again. But, you know, Mississippi, we got lots of whitetail. I, I, I keep thinking I'm going to take up turkey hunting. Time is the killer. Um, I didn't hunt nearly as much this year as I wanted to. I didn't... Uh, didn't have much luck this year just because I didn't spend enough time in the woods. You're not going to kill them no. sitting in the shop working. But, you know. And I know what's that about. This yeah. was, I spent less time in the woods this year than I have in a long time. I mean, I, I love what I do. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I love making strings. I love uh, going to these events. And I also I, I, I coach a, a high school archery team. And that all takes time. Mm -hmm. And you've only got so much, and you just have to allocate it where you can. Right. But I don't regret it. You know, I enjoy hunting, but uh, and I still do some. We'll, you know, we'll we'll get out and do ra we'll rabbit hunt sometimes. Just you know, it's a lot of fun, and rabbits good eating. So, you know, we make up for it. And then and these shows are, I get to see people that I don't get to see two or three times a year, maybe. And shoot, I get to talk about strings and string materials. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, you can tell by looking at me, I like to eat, and I'd rather do this than eat. So, 
Well, let's talk about string material a little bit then, because that was something that you kind of started before we pressed the record button, and yeah. I want to hear more about it. Um, and then I want to get into some of the, um, my not my string be is better than your string, but my string, ma the string material I use is better than the string material you use and some of that stuff, because I, I definitely have my preferences, and I've tried some of the others, but uh, we'll, we'll save that to wrap up but okay we you know we started you you were mentioned that there, there's not a, a ton of other companies out there besides bcy and, and i'm everybody knows about the whole brownell situation right, and, right. um but anyway g just give us a little background on on the things that you know that the average person doesn't know about you know some of these other companies in the history and so forth uh well obviously i'm i'm not i'm you know i'm not going to deny that i'm biased i i the the guys at bcy are like family to me now sure we didn't start out that way of course um i was a customer for probably 15 years or better before i ever met anybody from there mm -hmm. and now they're you know some of my best friends not because i get my material from them just because of who they are and how they operate and one thing that always impressed me um when i got started i tried to get a dealership with a company well it, it was brownell and the the rep I talked to told me basically in in no uncertain terms I'm you're, I wasn't worth their time go through a dealer and she was being honest but uh, she's kind of harsh you know she could have been nicer in the way she said it and, uh, and uh, a friend of mine said well, why don't you call BCY I went, who in the world is BCY well they make bowstring material well shoot I didn't, how'd I get in touch with them gave me a number and I called talked to this guy super super nice guy treated me like I was worth a million dollars right off the bat. And of course, you know, I'm just a young string maker trying to get started. I wasn't no big deal, but he treated me like I was a big deal. Well, that was Ray Brown, one of the founders and, and, and the co-owner of BCY. And Ray, I love him to death. Just a super, super, super good guy. And uh, from the get, and, and I did, unbeknownst to me, they had only been started a couple of years at that point. They were brand new on the market but from day one they treated me like a million dollar customer and now i mean they'll throw away more in a in a week do you know with color changeovers and right. such you know stuff that you know that just can't be sold they'll throw away more in a week than i'll use in a year um you know they got customers that can buy and sell me 10 times and never miss it but they still treat me like i'm a million dollar customer and, and they do not rely on smoke and mirrors. That's one thing that they, when I started working with them, doing shows with them, they made that very clear. We don't hype our product. We take, we're honest about it. And our product sells itself. You just, you're on it. You be honest about it. And I, and I really respected that because I, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of guy, if I believe in a product, I can sell snow to an Eskimo. <laughs> If I don't believe in it, I can't sell water to a man that's dying of thirst. Right. You know, that's just me. I'm not, and I I totally believe in BCY products. They're, they are the best there is. And, you know, a lot of people, myself included at one time, I thought, well, they just copied stuff that other people had done. Well, no. There's a history, and, you know, and BCY doesn't advertise it. They could. I kind of wish they would. The founders of BCY, like I said, Ray Brown, and the other one is Bob Destin. Uh, they are the guys that revolutionized bowstring material. They both worked at Brownell at one time, and they invented Fast Flight for Brownell. They named Fast Flight in Ray's kitchen, their dining room. Hmm. Um, Didn't know that. Yeah, that's where the name, they, they just, I don't know what they got the inspiration from. Uh, Bob has a college degree in textiles which bowstring material is just a type of textile. Sure. It's a high-tech thread. And um, I, 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 they've never really divulged to me what happened, but for one, whatever reason, uh, they were let go from Brownell, and they didn't just immediately say, okay, we're just going to compete with them. Ray started a, 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 well, he actually bought a steel cable company, Bob went to work for a uh, thread company. And I don't know how much time went by. Bob had an idea, contacts Ray, said, Ray, you know, I've got this really good idea about bowstring material, but I need a little help. Okay, 
they got together and came up with a material called Streamline. It was great. It was like Kevlar. No stretch, no creep. Everybody loved it. But it turned out to be very much like Kevlar. It blew up with no warning. Oh, really? Bows were getting broke, and it pretty much bankrupted them right off the bat. The first material almost, well, anybody else would have given up and said, the heck with it, let's go back, you know. Right. They didn't give up. Uh, they dug in deep and, and really buckled down, and, and uh, Bob had another idea. Well, let's mix, let's blend this. this the streamline was basically 100% Vectrin, mm -hmm. which Vectrin's great for no creep, but you think about it like a wire. You, you, you flex your wire in the so same spot. So many times it's going to Over break. and over, after a while it's going to break. Right. It doesn't, it's just not resilient to flexion. So they blend it with Dynamo. 450 Premium was born. That was the first blended material. So they, they, they invented the first high modulus polyethylene material. They invented the first blended material, high modulus poly polyethylene and liquid crystal polymer. So, and then they have constantly evolved. The market has evolved. And, you know, the bowstring material market is huge to us. Mm -hmm. It's a speck on the overall market. You know, the rope industry is what drives this market. Right. Anywhere from climbing ropes to naval vessel ropes, you know, big gigantic stuff. They invest in the research and development. They come up with the new fibers and, and, and such, and, and we benefit from that. Mm -hmm. And even us in the traditional market, we benefit from the compound market. You know, they, they test and, and push, and, you know, we're just a small spec compared to the, the compound market, but we get the benefits from that also. But anyway, the, the 450 Premium developed, became 450 Plus. The 450 Plus became 452X, BCYX, and now X99. Um, BCY still makes the original fast flight formula in 652 Spectra. That is the original fast flight. Okay. They just, they don't own the name. Right. So they, they, they can't call it fast flight. Um, 652 uh, became Dynaflight. 8125, 8190, and now Mercury, 100% Dynamo materials. And then, of course, you got B55, which is polyester. The, Dacron. The, Dacron, the old go to. And that, it's your three basic materials. You got Dacron, you've got 100% Dynamo, you've got a Dynamo Vectron blend. You know. And where does D97 fall in that mix? 97 is 100% Dynamo. That's what I thought, but I wasn't going to speak. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, you know, they, there's not gigantic difference. And in between the three, you know, like I said, B55 safe, self bowls, old bowls, it works for anything. You know, it's a little aggravating, but it works for all, you know, it's safe for the old stuff. I'm glad to hear you say that. I want to talk about that too, but that it's aggravating. But It is. It's, 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 if you can master Dacron, you can you can make a string on anything because you got to take into consideration the stretch for the draw weight, for the strand yeah. count, for the length of the string. All that matters. And if you can get that figured out, shoot, you can, you got it. Yeah. And we talked about this. When I first started actually selling bowstrings, I actually enjoyed making fast light D97 strings so much that uh, I just really didn't want to make P55. But so many people want, or Dacron, so many yeah. people want them. So I threw them on the website. And then I was sitting there looking at it going, well, you know, the material is cheaper, so I'll charge a cheaper price for the B55 than I do for the D97. Mm. And then people were just ordering the B55 left and right, and I was hating <laughs> life. Uh, and I actually just said, you know what? For the aggravation, it's it's yeah. it's worth it's it's worth the same amount of money for a B55 string as a D97, even though the material's cheaper. Right. Because it keeps my blood pressure down. Well. <laughs> I just, I hate your stuff. <laughs> you're in a category of string makers also that you're not paying for the material. You know, per spool cost, yeah, there's a significant mm -hmm. difference. Per string cost, squat. Yeah, it's really not. There's, and I charge the same for B55s. I charge for Dynaflight as I charge for BCYH because, you know, you're looking in at most a dollar difference between the most expensive and the, and the, and the least expensive mm -hmm. right. what you're you're paying for your time for your experience for your knowledge you know for for your dedication to making a good bowstring versus 
you know, well, this is a cheaper material, so I'm just going to throw it. No, you're going to put the same amount of time and effort and energy into making a B-55 as you're going to with a Dynaflight. You know, you, you got that kind of pride in your work, so you're not going to, well, this is a cheap material, it's a cheaper string, so I'm, right. I'm, you, know, you know, you don't work that way. There, yeah, there's, um, hmm. there's a couple things I thought about there. The B fifty five for me, I can make a I can make as good a string out of either one of them. Right. Um, it probably takes me a little bit longer with the B fifty five to make the same quality of string. And even after I'm done, I'm not happy with it because of the tags and having to clean up all it because it's just not like the it it won't. You're just not going to do a B55 string without having tags going you gotta everywhere. To, you got to trim them. You can't. You just can't. But I can with a D97. Yeah. And I know that's minor. And the other thing is, if you have a lot of tags with D97, you'll pull your hair out because nothing will cut that stuff. You, actually, <laughs> there is one tool that I find. Uh, Mike Treadaway, Black Forest Bows, told me about this several years ago. I'll tell you what I used after you tell me what this is. I had used an X-Acto knife and a cutting board and sit there with a – and just – Put them uh, on the board and cut, cut, and every so often I'd run a string with an exacto knife. Slip. Yep, I yep. cut, cut the wrong thing. And Mike told me uh, I get in cut pliers. We call them bulldogs. In yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep. And uh, they, it, you have to get the good ones. I get the the channel lock brand, and I have had to send a pair back. And one thing I like about that brand is they really stand by. They actually sharpened them for me. I, they I contact them. And uh, the customer service rep said, well, send them back and send us a sample of the material you're cutting so we know. And I did. And uh, they sharpened them and sent them back. And, boy, they just. I won't have to get a pair and try. I've tried them before, but I've never tried the channel locks. It's the channel lock brand, and you can't cut anything else with them. Uh, I, I have to hide mine because my buddies are coming there, and they'll get bored. I had one come in there, and he cutting a penny with my cotton picking. <laughs> dulled the snot out of them. <laughs> So a really high-quality set of stainless steel nail clippers will actually work pretty good, too. I but the cheap ones? I hadn't found any. I tried nail clippers. I hadn't found a good enough pair to do it. There's a, and I can't remember the brand. There was one brand that I found, but the rest of them, they'll work for a very short period. It's amazing how quick yeah. D97 will dull something. Yeah, and I use, I use nail clippers on B55, you know. Oh, I do, And too. you have to get pretty decent clippers even for that. Yeah. And don't let nobody cut their nails because that'll dull them. But uh, the the channel lock pliers, if you're making any number of strings, they work and they last. So you mentioned this, and I, I I know there's a lot of people that are curious about this. So I would like to hear what you know about um, Brownell and the future of that product. If you if you if you if you want to, and then I then well, I want to talk about some of the other uh, string materials. But Brownell, and I, and I and I, I don't mean to be disparaging toward Brownell at all. Um, if it hadn't been for Brownell, we wouldn't have had Ray and Bob. We wouldn't have had BCY. Right. You know, I'm, I'm very thankful in that respect for them. But it has become a name. Uh, you know, and, and there's other uh, businesses in this industry that have done the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, the the, the name is it, become a brand that's right. been bought right. and sold. Well, Brownell, they they closed their doors in, in Moody's, Connecticut. They sent out a letter to their dealers. We're done. We're sorry. We're close after 150 years or something. We're closing the doors, and uh, that was it. Well, the it went up for auction. The the not just the equipment, but also the name. The name. The Brownell brand name. The Fast Flight brand name went up for auction. An Italian company. I cannot. Rem it's a rope company. I cannot think of the name of it off the top of my head. But this company bought uh, bought it. It was an internet auction, and they bought it sight unseen. And word is they're moving, they're going to send the equipment to Peru. They're going to start a facility in Peru and have a dis distribution warehouse in the States. Whether that actually comes to fruition, because, you know, of course, we obviously BCY checks on the competition, see what's up. Anybody does. Sure. And uh, as far as we know, they don't know yet what they're going to do because right. they kind of the equipment wouldn't really what they expected and um aging yeah 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 it was it was well used and 
the logistics of making a product in Peru, shipping it to the United States, and having a timely, you know, any kind of timely delivery. Plus, like I said, they sent out a notification to all all their buyers and not to you know not trying to toot their horn but bcy had probably between 85 and 90 percent of the market any before brownell closed right they already had the huge majority of the market and picked up what little was left when they closed i don't know that the, you know the market's going to support them last i knew well at the, at the ata show they didn't have any didn't have any dates set in stone okay we're going to start shipping on this date they're not sure so right they may start back they may not um you know and if they do more power to them you know it, we need competition in the industry sure and competition is always going to drive any drive? company to do better exactly i will say this um with the preface of i've already said i really don't like b55 um i don't like b50 even even less than B fifty five, but some people is if they, you know what? I'll tell you something. Most people don't know about the traditional community. They don't like change. You got that right. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, ain't that the truth? <laughs> but uh, you know, I in fact, um, you know Tony Mossbaugh, Moss. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'll butcher it. M O S B A U G H. I think is his name. He he's a string. He makes a lot of strings. Sells them. Facebook and so forth. I might know if I saw Seems to be a nice guy. He loves the B-50, and I had a bunch of B-50 that she was sitting on pegs, Yeah. Um, and I boxed it all. After Brown, I closed. I said, look, guy, if you want this stuff, I don't really need to keep it. I gave him a real good deal on it. Yeah, yeah. Set it on its way, and, and so I, I think he will probably be happy, and I just, like I said, as much as I, I hear a lot of people say, well, the B-55 is too waxy or too slick or something, and I'm thinking – Man, trying to work with that B-50 is like herding cats. That stuff goes everywhere I, for me. And I I'm, I feel like the string wax that you know, I use, Ed, and I think you do too. I use Ed Scott's formula for the wax that I make. Um, I, mine, I actually uh, had a guy ask me yesterday at the show. I had to get my wife to look up the recipe because I can't remember. Mine is two, I don't know if it makes a difference, but it's the Odie brand Extra Thick Toilet rings. Oh, no, you don't. That's right. I'm talking about somebody else. That's yeah. right. You use the, the I use toilet the, the, ring the, formula. The two yep. extra thick toilet rings and five and a half pounds of, of beeswax. Okay. And that's the perfect consistency for me. I've had, a, I've had a lot of folks send me different formulas that had talc, instrument talc, pine rosin, silicone, pine sap, all kinds of, you know, just a witch's brew of different mm -hmm. stuff mixed in. And they work. But well, you get used to something. I like simple. Yeah, and I've made thousands and thousands of strings with this, and this was out of necessity. This old guy used to come to the Lofton Classic, and we called him Bubba. I have no idea mm -hmm. what his name was. We just called him Bubba. His his left arm was missing right below the elbow. He was, you know, in, and uh, Bubba would always bring me a shoebox full of wax that he poured, and he never would tell me how, what he how he made it. Right. But he sold it to me cheap, and I always bought it from him at the Lofton Classic. One year, Bubba didn't show up, and I had no idea how to contact him. Well, shoot, i got to have some string wax. And I checked around here and there, and shoot, I can do this. And, you know, like I said, I, I tried all these different different formulas, and uh, it's it's basically consistency. You know, and, and people have a misconception. I'm talking about just using straight beeswax, and you know as well as I do, it's too hard. Yeah, it is. It just, you know, you'd have to heat it up or keep it warm or something and even you know as well this is what they used way back when well even way back when they would mix it with fat or tallow or something to soften it sure to get the right consistency and that's the same thing with the with the seals that i use you know it just makes it a little softer makes it work and if it works it's good well and i'll be honest and i've used both uh and i think again it's what you get used to yeah, and the reason yeah. I probably stuck with what I use the most is I love the smell of it as mm -hmm. much as anything. But um, uh, Mark Troy, a good buddy of mine, um, sent me some string wax one time, and I loved the smell of it. I actually liked the consistency of it, and I bugged him to death until he finally get And he got it from Ed Scott, mm -hmm. but it's – and I won't, I'm not going to talk about the the mixture, but it's – 
it's I get pinion pine resin. Mm-hmm. I, I've got two or three people that collect it, and I buy it from them. And then once I get that, I have to refine that down. So I have right. to cook the crap out of it to get just the resin, which is dangerous. It's hot. Yeah. Oh my God, it's hot to do that. You can't. You have to do it outside. Yep. Um, because this stuff is just so volatile. Right. Um, and you and I use a I use one of the old. Um, Hot plate stoves I actually right. bought on eBay because I open flame. You don't want near this stuff. And then I mix that with the resin and some, I mean, the beeswax and some cooking oil. I really, I like it because I love the smell. When, yeah. When, yeah. It, when you, when you, you know, lightly burnish your string and it melts that stuff in, you get that pine smell. Um, so I've just kind of stuck with that. But I've used both. And, yeah. And it, I can't tell whatever works for much you. difference. Yeah, it's, it's you know, people ask me about the differences in the different Fast flight type materials, you know, every, which is, is we're going there in a second. Everything but B fifty five, you know, and I right. just, that's well, you know, the best way I know to explain it, you know, Ford Chevy Dodge. Is, what do you mean? That's well, you know, one guy likes Ford and he cusses Chevy. One guy likes Chevy and he cusses Dodge. One guy likes Dodge and he cusses Ford. But they all three get you there, you know. Which eventually, is what you like. <laughs> yeah, eventually. eventually. <laughs> yeah, you know, some people had good luck with this one. Some yeah. people had good luck with that one. And you know, and they, you know, they're all better than walking. This is true, unless, so, you're, unless you're pushing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless, unless you're pushing it. You're right. It. But, you, you know, it, it's, it's whatever, you know, what you have, a, you know, what you're comfortable, comfortable and confident with. So let's talk about some of the fast flight materials because I know BCY makes a bunch of them. I know right. some of them are designed more for compounds than they are for the, the trad guys. And then right. somehow they end up bleeding over and all this stuff. But... And I can only speak to the ones that I've used. So mm-hmm. I've used D97. I've tried the, B, the, the BCYX. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used some 450 plus. In fact, I've still got some swools of 450 plus. Um, and I've used uh, D10 mm-hmm. quite a bit. But when you, so is there much difference in most of these different flash, fast flight uh, makeups other than just the diameter of this? Um, I know, I know part of it's diameter. Part of it. Um, the big difference between the 100% Dyneema and the Dyneema Vectran blends, um, stability and high temperatures. Uh, Vectran has a much higher melting point. So, you know, if you're hunting in Michigan in the winter, it don't matter. If you're hunting in Mississippi, in October, when bow season opens, it may be 80, 85 degrees. Mm-hmm. And the 100% Dyneema can creep just a little bit high temperatures. You know, it's not going to melt, obviously, you know. Sure. But you haven't got to reach the melting point of steel before it bends. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to give a little bit. And, and it's not huge. Um, every, just about every professional target archer that I know of, uses the 100% Dyneema. Uh, U.S. Olympic team has been using 8125 for years. Uh, Dwayne Martin, Calvin Smock using 8125. John Dimmer, he bounces around like he changes shoes. You can't tell about John. Uh, I think he's, most recently, he's like in 652 with the original fast flight. Right. Um, but it's just a tiny bit difference in the stability in higher temperatures. And then again, it's back to Ford Chevy Dodge. What you like, what you prefer. Some people feel that one's a little quieter than the other one. Some feels, which is very subjective, one feels better than the other one. Um, my opinion, the main difference is the build. You know. Okay. So, like between D97 and, and BCYX, what's the difference there? BCYX, well, it has been discontinued. It's been replaced with X99. Um, but they're both BCYX and X99 were a blended material. BCYX is 17% vector and X99 is 20% vector. Okay. Uh, and X99 is SK99 Dyneema. Uh, Dynaflight 97 is SK75. So the X99 is a little higher graded Dyneema, mm-hmm. a little smaller strand. So, you know, on paper, it's a little more durable. In reality, there's not much difference. Uh, you know, like I said, there's not a huge difference between the fast flight materials. And I'll be honest with you, the only thing that personally that I saw different making a string from the uh, the BCYX, what used to be BCYX, is it was much less finicky as far as back twist and getting the proper amount of back twist to come out with a uniform string because of the smaller Smaller strings. diameter, exactly. Um, 
and I, I I played around with it a little bit, and ultimately I just said, you know, I like the D97. Dynafly is probably the most popular with traditional shooters overall. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the manufacturers and, and bowyers like it, use it. Um, it's one of the more reasonably priced of these materials. It's uh, it's a little easier. It's a little cheaper to manufacture. A little larger strands, and uh, little you know, it's not the not the absolute highest grade of Dyneema, but it's still there's very little difference be between SK75 and SK99 right. as far as durability. Um, and shoot, I used Dynaflight for years, and I've told folks now I've killed more animals and won more trophies with Dynaflight than have anything. I used it longer. Right. Nothing right, wrong right. with it. Yeah. Um, and I won't even so and I so before I say this, I'm not advocating it to people. If you want me to do it for you, I will build you a string like I'm about to outline, but it's at your at your risk. I won't shoot B fifty five even on my older bows. I don't like it. I pad the loops. Uh, you know, if I'm building a 14, I'll pad the loops to 18 if it'll fit in the groove. If I can go to 20, I'll do 20. And I shoot it all the live long day, and I've been doing it for some of these bows. I've been shooting that way for five years now, and Oof. I've never seen an issue. Um, you know. But I'm not, I'm not advocating that to exactly. people. Exactly. I'm that, just telling you what I do. That's I'm where to you and I risk. have to be careful because if it's our stuff and it breaks, oh, well. You know, if it's somebody else's, and you know this well as I do, that when a bow fails, the first thing, the first question, what kind of strings you have on it? And if it's anything other than Dacron, well, it was that string. Right. You know, that, that's the, no, it's, uh, get, 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 the string always gets the blame. And, you know, I've, I've seen where people are talking about, oh, yeah, I've been shooting fast flight on this. 1953 Pearson for 20 years and it's done fine, you know. Well, yeah, but there's a lot of variables. Uh, you know, you got this, you got one guy that's pulling 24 inches and shooting 13 grains per pound and, you know. And that's a big part of it. I shoot very heavy arrows exactly. with my bows. When, and right. when it's with me, I'm pulling 31, give or take, and, and I normally, want, you know, just, I normally wind up with an arrow that weighs around eight, eight and a half grains per pound just because I don't want to do anything fancy to it right. to get the weight up, and it works. But, you know, pulling 31 inches and uh, shooting eight grains per pound puts a whole lot more stress on a bow than the guy pulling 24 inches and shooting 13 grains per pound. Absolutely. So that's a big variable to consider if, you, if you're thinking about, you know, and I, and if I had a bow that was really sentimental to me or something, which I do have some, they stay on the shelf because I don't want to blow them up anyway. That's the same, I'm the same so, way. Yeah, it, you know, bow's going to fail sooner or later regardless. But if I'm going to shoot it, I'm going to shoot a, I'm gonna shoot yeah, a D97. That's just me. I just, I just don't shoot bows that can't handle material. You know, it's funny. Um, I own several bows from by Jay St. Charles. Mm -hmm. Think the world of Jay. Love his bows. And uh, I forget now which bow. It, oh, it's my, I've got a 64-inch two-piece takedown. And I just asked him, I said, you know, how do you feel about fast flight on it? Because it was a bow he built back in the 80s. And, Jay, you're probably listening to this, so I'll just throw myself on my sword. <laughs> he told me, you know, it's not, it's, it doesn't have the reinforced tips. Right. So I sat down and I twisted up a 14-strand string and I padded the loops to 18 and I shoot it all the live long. And I've been shooting that bow. And that bow's taken a lot of critters in the last four or five years. Yep. And it it shows no sign of stress. But I am shooting, that's a 69-pound bow, and I'm shooting 820-grain arrows out of it. Right, right. Uh, so it, the arrows absorb a lot of that shock. Well, you know, that's, that's one of those, you know, do it at your own risk kind of deals. And that's what, I, again, that's what, if somebody asks me for it, I'm not going to tell you no, I won't build the string. But it's on you. Right, You're 100% exactly. on the risk associated with this. I do it. And I'm willing to accept my own risk. Right. And, um, so you know, yeah, don't come back to me if you blow <laughs> if you blow up your bow. That's it's on you. But uh, but anyway, Chad, I know the the show's still going on. I said I was going to try to keep you to an hour, and we're we're believe it or not, we're already coming up on an hour. Well, it went fast. It did go uh, fast. I've really enjoyed it, and I would I will just say I'd like to do this again sometime next show we're at. If yeah. I can, squirrel you away let's continue this conversation because it, it's a lot of fun i love talking about i love talking anyway but you get me talking about bow strings or bow hunting or uh you just have to tell me shut up well the next time we're going to focus on bow hunting there how about go. that that'll work all right well thank you much man enjoy the rest of the show 
and uh, I'm sure I'll catch you before I leave out oh, here. Oh, yeah, tomorrow. definitely. All right. And to everyone listening, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll have something for you again next week. Take care, all.